Hey, well, good morning, guys. Y'all can find a seat. It's great to see everyone talking and meeting new folks. I'm just glad that I can actually be up here in my normal clothes as to, compared to what I was wearing last week. If you were at the partner uh, or the, the volunteer appreciation, you know what I'm talking about. I was in a full wig and a cowboy outfit and dancing up here. So there is video evidence. You might just have to search for it. Hey, I want to welcome you. My name's Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, particularly want to extend a welcome to anyone who's visiting for the first time, and a special welcome to anyone who maybe is just investigating their faith for the first time. Uh, we hope that Midtown can be a great place for you to discover uh, what you believe, uh, great people around that you can get to know along the way. Um, before I really go into our message, I do think it's important just to, from the front, um, acknowledge the stuff that happened on campuses last week. I know it was really difficult. We have tons of students and grad students and faculty uh, that are part of our church, and so I know you all have been affected by it. Um, I was in campus ministry for a really long time and never seen anything like that, um, and so I want to just take a minute uh, to pray. Father, we ask for just your mercy. We admit that we don't even know in situations like this how to pray. I ask uh, particularly for our fellowship, the many students and staff at UT, that you would be their comfort, you'd be their confidence. And we ask, too, that you would just spur good conversations that are helpful and, and some life change can come from this. Uh, we ask for your mercy on the families of all that were affected. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for that. As you know, we started this series last week. Thanks for the testimony, Alyssa, uh, testimony uh, regarding singleness because we started a series called Family Matters. And so there's kind of two parts to it, family and then matters. Family, you hear us say it every single week that we believe that we're a family loved and served by God and compelled to go love and serve each other and Austin with God. And so we really believe that, that we're a family. And so we want to have a talk about what it means for us to be a spiritual family for each other. And the matters part of this, family matters, is kind of a pun. So in one sense, it's like the noun of matters. It's like, yeah, we want to talk about family matters, family issues, things that we relate to, whether single or married or parents. But it's also kind of a pun we're saying family matters, like it matters how we treat one another. And so that's what we're jumping into today. The second talk is on uh, singleness as well, but particularly uh, singleness as it relates to friendship. Uh, we did a little bit of research before we started this series, and you may have heard it from last, last week, but we know that 59% of our church is single, so 41% is married. And among the, the married, it's about half and half, about 50% have kids, 50% don't have kids. And so what we're trying to do through this whole series is, is help everyone better understand the good parts about the stage of life that they're in, because all of them are good. No, there's no one that's better than the other, but also to understand some of the difficulties of that stage of life so that as a family, we can better love each other. So that's what we're aiming for. Um, Jake talked last week about singleness as far as it being good, it being hard, and it not being forever. Good in the sense that there's some good things with, with being single. And it's like, like Alyssa even said, one of the stories that you often hear related to those that are married is that they can somehow be closer to God or they can have a stronger relationship because they've had a marriage. And Jake did a great job of just exposing that last week and saying that's just not true, that all of us, single or married, have the same capacity to develop a relationship with God and mature in our faith. Not only so, he said that Jesus was single, pointed out that Paul was single. And in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul actually wrote and commended singleness. He said it's good for us to be single because there's advantages in the freedom that it gives us. But then Jake was also 
truthful to say that singleness is also hard. It's difficult, uh, particularly for those that actually want to be married, and particularly in regard to avoiding sexual immorality, that those are the hard parts about being single. And I love the way that he ended by reminding us at the end that singleness is not forever, that ultimately one day we're all going to be married to Christ in heaven. It's described as a wedding feast. And so that was a great way to get us started. That's more the biblical perspective. What I'm going to talk about today is really singleness and friendship. And we're going to go from a very well-known verse, one that was even mentioned last, last week in Genesis chapter 2. If you've been around church, you've heard this verse before. But it's when God had done, created everything on the earth, created man, and then he says this, it's not good that man be alone. So I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And I want us to try to think about it a little bit differently because most of us have thought about this in regard to marriage because God does provide a wife for him. But I want you to think, look back at the verse and say, what is the problem? The problem isn't that Adam wasn't married. The problem was that he was alone. And so I want to suggest today that singleness is not a problem. Aloneness is our problem. And so God can meet our need of aloneness primarily through friendship. And for some of us, at periods of our life, that's going to be a friendship with a wife or with a husband. But for all of us, it's going to be with friendships with people of the same gender or opposite gender, just friends that God brings our way. So the problem is not singleness. The problem is aloneness. And that's what God wants to meet primarily through friendships. If you look at this, uh, we're going to look at a whole bunch of Proverbs today. I think will be really fun. But Proverbs 18.24 says this, the one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's the type of friends you have, right? Like God can meet this need of aloneness, but only through the right type of people. You can have unreliable friends, and that's not going to meet the aloneness need, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I think particularly in our day and age where we can actually have so many friends, in the sense of Facebook friends, we, we tend to spread our nets really wide and think, oh yeah, I've got hundreds of friends. But that's not the type of friendship that meets our aloneness. It's a different type of friend, this friend that sticks closer than a brother. One of the things I think that's difficult with our technology is we have a lot of friends that we think are friends, but not really biblical friends. Um, I didn't read this book, but Brenda's read it, and she quotes it to me a lot. She loves it. It's a book called Alone Together. And it's basically a sociologist looking at how social media and these kind of fake friendships that we have out there aren't really meeting the true need, aren't really fulfilling the aloneness that's really within us. I like this quote from the book. Uh, Sherry uh, Turkle says, we expect more from technology and less from each other. Technology is sedu- uh, seductive when it, offers, when it offers to meet our human vulnerabilities. As it turns out, we're very vulnerable indeed. We're lonely but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections and social robots may offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Our networked life allows us to hide from each other. Even when we've been tethered to each other, we'd rather text than talk. So I want to start by pointing out what type of friendship can meet this aloneness. It's not all these digital friendships. It's a face-to-face friendship. It's one where you're vulnerable and you're sharing life with one another. And that can be met in all of us. And this isn't just a message for single people saying, you need friends to meet your aloneness. Married people, this is for you too. Because here's the lie. You can think that marriage solves aloneness. Marriage does not solve aloneness. You can be married and be very alone. You can be single and be not alone at all because of your deep friendships. And so as we talk about friendships, we want to find this type of friend. 
I love the word that, that it says there, that it sticks to, sticks to closer than a brother. That's actually very similar to the word that if you were to go back to Genesis, when, when God kind of unites Adam and Eve and marries them, he says, you guys are now to cleave to one another. You're supposed to leave your households and cleave to one another. It's a very similar word that this is a kind of friendship that we can have too. Someone who will stick with us, who makes us their priority and gives us the love that we all need and that we all want. These are the kind of friendships that we want to have at Midtown. You know what we want to do at Midtown? We want there to be no aloneness. So that's what we want to talk about today. Let's look first at the value of friendship. I'm just going to give you two broad values for friendship. You could probably list like a hundred if you wanted to, but I just try with like the, the biggest, broadest categories as you see in Proverbs. And the first is that friendships provide personal support. Another way you might say is friendships provide help. If you go back to the Genesis verse, one of the things that I really noticed this week is it doesn't say that God provided a wife. It says that God provided someone, a helper, suitable. God knows that we need helpers. <laughs> we have emotional needs. We have physical needs. We have spiritual needs that can't be met in isolation. And so he provides friendship for us that can meet those needs. Proverbs 17, 17 says it this way, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for the time of adversity. What is it that we most want? What is it that we most need? What we most want and need is, is to be loved. That's our deepest human need. And to be loved unconditionally, like it says here, at all times. And what's unique about the way that God's created us is we actually all have different ways that we receive love and the ways that we give love. Just a moment ago, before I came backstage, I heard some guys talking about a book called The Five Love Languages. Maybe some of you have read it or heard of it. But it talks about so there's a love language that we can have, whether it's acts of service or giving or affection or quality time. We all have different needs. In fact, our staff actually on Tuesday, we're bringing in an outside guy to come talk to us through this assessment of what we call relational needs, that even among our staff, among our people, we have different love languages, but we also have different ways that God's made us and they supply different needs. I say all that to say what a real friend can do is they know you so well that they can love you in the way that you need to be loved because they know what's most meaningful to you. That's the type of friendship that solves our problem of aloneness. When, do, when are they friends? All times. And when are they especially friends? In times of adversity. When I look back at my friendships, uh, probably my, my dearest set of friends is about uh, 10 guys that we all met at UT back in the early, early 90s. Uh, this group of guys for the last 20 years has been going to a lake house in, uh, on Labor Day weekend. And we share fellowship, we have fun, we joke around, we do our fantasy football draft, that's part of it too. And, and we just enjoy each other's company. I'm like super old because one of my friends that's part of that group, his daughter is here with us this morning. So that's how old I am. But it's been so rich to have this 20 years of friendship. Like we've been in all of each other's weddings. We've been with each other at the death of our parents. We've been through some really severe illnesses, been through cancer. And these group of friends would do anything for each other. We, we've cleaved to each other. And it's changed all of our lives. When I think particularly about this part about a friend helping in adversity, I think about one of those friends. Probably the guy that I was closest to, it's a guy named Doug Beck. Doug and I played softball together for about 15 years. We were part of a band together, uh, part of the singles ministry at our church where we both met our wives. Um, and Doug, yes. I probably shouldn't have said that on the singles talk, should I? Sorry. It happened. 
So Doug, though, uh, there was a period of our, of our life where we were actually both going through really tough emotional things. I don't know about you, but my, I, have a, I have a theory that like this period of life between like maybe 24, 27, 28 is like, it just kind of messes with you. You're like, you're like kind of an adult and you're figuring things out. And I don't know about you, but for me, it was very traumatic. I had a lot of difficulties. I had two girls that I thought I was going to marry and I broke up, got broke up uh, in this particular case. I was real heartbroken over this one girl that I dated for a year, and we didn't end up getting married. And I started going to counseling and trying to get help all the ways that I could. And, and I, we're on the worship team, and I'm, we're getting set up for worship one morning. And very well-meaning, one of the women on the worship team, she could tell I was upset because the girl that broke up with me had walked into the room, and she could just tell. And so she came up with me, to me and, and quoted a, a verse from Job that says, God's plans cannot be thwarted. Now, like a real friend, like I said, knows how to love you in the way you need to be loved. That was not what I needed right then. I was like, I know that verse, Teresa. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that made me very, very mad. I mean, I, I was actually so mad. I can't, I can't describe it. It's like the maddest that I've ever been. Somehow we, we finished the worship set, and I lived across the street. So I walked home, and I can't describe the feeling. I wasn't going to, like, hurt myself, but the only way I could describe it is I felt like I wanted to run through a wall. Like, I, I, something had to happen. And so I walked back to church, and I went back to Doug, and I'm like, Doug, I, I, I can't, something's wrong. And he said, just get in the car. And we just drove for an hour, <laughs> I-35, 71, Mopac, <laughs> 183, and we looped the city. This was back when there was no traffic. <laughs> it was a Sunday. We looped the city, like literally for an hour, until my heart was at rest. You know, we didn't even talk a whole lot. In this case, he didn't really give me much scripture, but he was just present. He was this friend that was there. And our friendship has changed both of our lives. That's the type of friendships that we need. That's the value that it brings. There's a second value, though, is spiritual maturity. Our friendships bring us a spiritual maturity that we need. Remember last week, I'll just say it one more time, we're trying to expose the lie that, that, that married people, which sometimes it comes up in their conversation, oh, it really sanctifies us. And it, and it does because you're living with someone. But Roommates live with people. There's all kinds of ways that you can grow as a single. And iron sharpens iron, as we read in this verse. Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. Back in that day, the hardest metal they could find was iron. And so how are you going to sharpen iron if you don't have anything that's harder than it? And, and that's what you do. You just hit iron with iron to make the things that you needed to make because it was the only things able to sharpen each other. The same is true with us that God has intended us to be in relationship with one another in a way that sharpens each other, that we rub up against each other. And a lot of that means that we go through difficult times and we have to forgive each other. I'll talk about that more in a moment. But it's that sharpening that can only happen in relationship with other people. I mean, think about the, the, the greatest commands, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How are you going to practice the great command apart from relationship? You can't. God intends us to be in relationship, and that is part of how we grow because we're learning to obey his commands in the context of relationship with other people. If I could point out another lie that I think that is out there, and this is a lie kind of within some of the church culture. It's a lie that you can kind of walk with God on your own. Like, I've got podcasts. I can watch stuff on TV. I can read books, and I can just walk with God on my own. I'm telling you, you can't. You can't even obey the number one commandment if you're not in a relationship with other people. That's why we value our Midtown community so much, that we want to see everyone in our church get plugged into a Midtown community where there's life on life and people know you and you can be known. 
you're being honest about the things that are happening in your life. You've got people who step in and care for you whenever there's needs. We need those to mature. That's part of the reason that God gives us these friendships. But he also gives us friendships because we all need to be vulnerable. When I said that our greatest need is love, you can't truly be loved if you're not real with, about who you are. The real love that we need is a love that, that someone can be in a relationship and know the junk that's in our heart and still love us. That's the friendship that transforms us. And that's why we have Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know what he's talking about there with enemies? He's saying, you know what? If you have friendships, and the whole basis of your friendship is just like recreational activity, that's not the type of friend that can meet your aloneness because you're not getting real. You're not giving yourself a chance to be loved after they see who you really are. If you've got friendships and everything is just surface talk, that's not the kind of friend that helps your aloneness. The type of friend that helps aloneness is the friend that you can be real with who will confess their sin to you and you to them. And you can help each other grow spiritually. I have to say, like, one of the things I'm most excited about this last month or so, I've had a couple of individual conversations. Obviously, I'm not going to share with who, but a number of just individual conversations where someone's just confided something in me, been real about something that's going on in their life. And I've done the same with other people. And that's when it gives me the opportunity to, to receive a love from somebody else. I've been really helped by um, uh, Brene Brown. She's a kind of psychologist or sociologist, actually, um, in the University of Houston. And she writes a lot of books on the subject of um, shame and intimacy and vulnerability. This is a quote from one of her books. She says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, bringing joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It's the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity and purpose or deeper and meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. So the type of friends that we want to have are these type of friends. I was at the uh, college party. On, they had a banquet on Friday night. One of the things that I loved was just hearing everyone share their stories of what God had been doing in their lives. And, and, and Brad, uh, he expressed, they were all kind of expressing thanks to each other. And one of the things that Brad said to the college leaders was, you know what I love this year? I felt like there's been increased honesty among us. Like we've talked about real stuff that we've been struggling with. We've been real with each other. And I've loved that. To hear that that's happening in our college ministry, that you know that it's happening in conversations, to have testimonies up here like we've had recently, I know it's happening, so I want to commend you and say those are the types of friends that help you in your aloneness. Next thing I want to talk about, though, is how to make friends. Now, how do you actually do it? How do we do it in this context? How do we do it even in the context of our church? I'll say simply, the first thing is just to seek out godly friends. This is what's unique about friendship, right? Like friends, you actually get to choose. So that verse that we read earlier that said, but there's a friend that loves more than a brother. The reason it says it that way is because like, if you have a brother, like your, your brother, like, like a biological brother, he like kind of has to love you, right? Like, but he doesn't have to like you. So no show of hands, <laughs> don't raise your hands. But wouldn't you say that there's some friends that you'd rather spend time with than maybe a sibling? Good, don't raise your hands. Oh, Damien, come on. <laughs> 
But that's the unique thing about friendship. Like, you can actually choose your friendships. You don't choose your brothers. You don't choose your sisters. But with friendships, you actually get to choose someone. So how do you choose people in a right way? Again, another great proverb, Proverbs 12. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Choosing your friends. How does it say to do it? Carefully. That means that you look out there and you think, who are some people that I would want to be friends with? Who are some people that I would want to emulate their life? And you choose those type of friends. There's probably no more important time, college students, than your, your first few weeks of class. That's why those first few weeks of the semester, man, I'll just commend all of us at Midtown. Like, we have to get involved in helping when it comes to move-in. Uh, when we help with move-in, we connect with so many students, and we can be the first friends that people make. So let's do that together this coming August. But if we start making those friends, that's how you, you're going to get with the right folks. All my friends that I mentioned in college, that's how we met each other. We all got involved with Campus Crusade, or crew, as it's now called. And that was where our friendships came from. I think about the, the fact that there's so many singles that move to Austin, and they're, just, they're brand new and they move here, and they've got to find some place that they're going to call their home and find their church. I love that we had someone that visited our, our MC just this last week because she was taking steps to find this type of community. One of the things that I love, I was just in a partner class uh, um, upstairs, so we've got about 10 or so people that are considering becoming partners at Midtown, and almost all of them, when they said, like, how did you get involved in Midtown and why? Almost all of them said, because of the community. They said, I got here, and someone welcomed me and greeted me, so again, I just want to commend you guys. That, that is such an awesome testimony, to hear that when people come in, they feel greeted and loved and cared for and invited in to our company. That's awesome. So that's one way you, you choose friendship, is you, get, you respond to invitations, so if we're doing well as a church, we're always inviting people into our communities. And I commend you, you're doing that. Let's keep doing that. But another thing, sometimes you might not get invited. And so what it takes to make these kind of friendships is it takes initiation on your part. And if we're real honest, sometimes we get invited to things and, and there's just something in us that's not willing to take that step out of some fear or something that's happening inside of us. And so friendship is also upon you to take the steps and take the initiative to gather uh, with others. Again, one of the things I like about our church is we're so diverse. Like, we've got people that are all into all kinds of things. I made, like, a list. We've got a ton of people into sports. We've got a bunch of gamers, people that are into video games and board games. We've got readers and people that are in book clubs. We've got crafty people that get together and make stuff. We've got people that are into music, whether listening to it or playing it. We've got all kinds of different niches of people in different parts of education, given all of our connection with UT, that people that love the sciences and people that love the arts. We've got rock climbing groups. We've got yoga groups. We've got, of course, fantasy football leagues. Like, that's what I love about our church. And friendship is putting yourself into those communities until you can find some people that are like you, that share your interests, and you bond with them, and you get close with them. And as a relationship grows, you reveal who you really are. And if you can receive their love, you can be done with aloneness. Just for fun, I did want to point out that as much as you need to take initiation, you need to initiate friendship. Sometimes it can be, go too far. You don't want to be that guy. So let's look at these two Proverbs, just for fun. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. So like, initiate but not that, that much. And this is my favorite. We used to write this verse that we'll put up here in a second. We used to put this on like milk cartons in my refrigerator when I had roommates. Okay, Proverbs 23. Do not eat the food of a begrudging host, 
Do not crave his delicacies, for he's the kind of person who's always thinking about the cost. Eat, drink, he says, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you've eaten and will have wasted your compliments. All right. Just had to say, initiate, but don't be that guy. And college students, you actually might want to use that verse and put it on some milk cartons like I did. Like, this is my food. Please don't. So, going on to the type of friendship. So, you got to seek it, but then it's particularly important what type of people you seek out. And I said you need to seek out godly friendships. So, let's look next at Proverbs 22. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who's easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get ensnared. It's real simple. It's true that we actually become like those that we spend time with. There's a New Testament verse that's real similar in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, bad company corrupts good character. So when you're thinking about who you want to make friends with, one of the things you have to say, do, do I want my life to look like theirs? Because if you start hanging with people, you are going to become like them. And so as you're looking for friends, look for those who you look at their life and say, I would like to be like that. Now, I want to make a big concession here. We're not saying that you should not have any friends that are far from the faith. If you've been around Midtown much at all, you know that we talk about like going and get involved in people groups and hanging with people that are outside of the church and making friends with them. There's no command in the Bible that tells us not to do that. The commands are to do that too. The command is don't do that at the exclusion of fellowship. And so if you're out making friends and all these other people, but you've got no one who's walking with God, who's more mature than you, that's spiritually speaking into your life and challenging you, loving you as Christ would, that's where you go wrong. In fact, the elders, once a month, will, will get together and they are literally looking at a spreadsheet of all, a database of all of our people in the church. And one of the first questions we ask, is anyone wandering? Because if someone's starting to wander out of fellowship, that's the first sign that they're walking away from God. Because if you're walking away from the church, you're walking away from God. And we come back and we pursue those people and call them back into fellowship. So find godly people to spend time with. Second thing I'll say about friend, how to make friendships is you have to learn to repent and forgive. This is the number one thing. Like if you want to have the type of friendships that we're talking about, they have to be filled with repentance and forgiveness. Proverbs 17 says this, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. That's what we're trying to do is we're trying to foster love. Remember, it's our number one need that we need to be not alone. We need to be loved. And so if you're trying to foster love with your friendships, two things have to happen. You have to overlook an offense and you have to not repeat a matter. That's what it says. Overlook offense and don't repeat a matter. So one way of overlooking offenses is just not being so easily offended. I could have pulled up several other proverbs that actually say don't be easily offended. I mean, this is just a great thing in friendships. You've got to put up with some things, and there's a time to actually confront someone, and there's a time just to overlook it. But sometimes there's a time that you have to confront someone, they've hurt you in some way, and you've got to go to them and say, hey, man, this really, this really hurt. And when you're in a good friendship, one that's dealing with your aloneness, you're going to have those moments. And when you go and you ask for forgiveness, and the forgiveness is granted, that's how you spiritually grow. That's the kind of friendship that helps with your aloneness. I think of that same group of friends that I told you about. About maybe four or five years ago, we were at the lake house doing our annual um, get-together. And as can be the case sometimes when guys get talking and getting rowdy, you can say something that you wish you could have back. And, and I did that. I said something that really hurt one of the guys in our group. 
like threatened our friendship type of hurt. And so we had to, over the course of a couple weeks, continue to talk, and I repented and apologized and asked for his forgiveness. I made special note to, to kind of just keep reaching out for him and doing kind things to him, let him know that I care about him. And his heart was hurt for a couple months, but, but over time, our relationship was, was completely restored. It's actually probably my favorite relationship in the group right now. We talk almost every single week. And so that's what requires this type of friendship is, is the forgiveness that he extended me. But it also revolves, involves the repentance, because what does it say separates friends? What separates friends is if you repeat the matter. And so repentance is the process of saying, when someone corrects you and says, hey, this hurt me, you've got to say, I'm not going to do that again. And if you do, you go to forgiveness again, but you learn to stop repeating the matter and change your ways. All good friendships, the other party has to be willing to change. That's part of growing. That's part of spiritual maturity is repentance and belief and forgiveness and asking uh, forgiveness and receiving it. That's the kind of friendships that we need. I will say this, I know that there are single people here that, that want to be married. There's probably there's some that don't. But for those of you that do, I'll just address this to you, that this is the best thing that can prepare you for marriage is friendship. If God was to have someone uh, with for you in marriage, the best thing that you can do now is develop deep friendships, primarily for your own sake and meeting your aloneness. But as you relate with one another, that's what makes you so much easier to have a strong marriage from the get-go. I know for me personally, one of the things that I loved about Brenda as I got to know her when we were dating was that she had this long line of friendships. And what that showed to me was that this is a person who can carry on lifelong relationships that, that likely has practiced repentance and forgiveness over and over and over again to sustain these friendships for this amount of time. And so it's a great quality that prepares you if God was to give you someone in marriage. Last question that I'll ask is how can you be a friend? How can you be a friend? Be a friend of Jesus. That's the way. The way to be a good friend is to first be a friend of Jesus so that you can begin to be like a Jesus to other people. Like if we're serious about this and we're saying we want to be friends and, and help each other with our aloneness, the most important thing that you can do is press into a friendship with Jesus and let him change your heart. As he changes you, you'll begin to love like him and you'll be the type of friend that you want, the type of friend that you need by being with him. I love that on the, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a conversation where he actually called his disciples his friends. It's in John 15. He says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. So here he is with, with on the last day of his earthly life. He's got them all around him. He says, the number one thing I want is for you guys to love each other. The kind of love that I just described that forgives each other that lets people be real and vulnerable and loves them back unconditionally. That's the kind of friendship that you guys need to have for each other. And then he tells them the best kind of love, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He's, he's telling them in advance about what he's going to be doing for them and proving his love that, that as you guys, my friends, I'm about to lay down my life for you. This is the ultimate love that I'm giving you. You should love each other that way. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. Just let that sink in, that Jesus 
is with his guys, and he says, you know what? You guys are my friends. I want us, when we worship here in a moment, to dwell on the fact that Jesus has called us friends. And if you can press into Jesus and, and treat him as a friend and walk with him as a friend, he'll change your life and make you the kind of friend that others need. And then while it sounds a little controversial, I'll read this last part. He says to them, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. I know sometimes those questions that rise when you hear that phrase like, I chose you. But we spoke earlier about the fact that God, when we choose friends, that's the unique thing. We're not born into friendships. We get to choose friends. I want you to think of the fact that Jesus chose you. Just after this, Jesus is going to have communion with his friends. If you have questions about predestination part of it, Jake will be glad to answer those after service. <laughs> Whenever I get kind of caught up in those questions in my head, I'm just like, oh, how does this happen? What is this, God? How? One of the things that I do is I say, I think the main purpose behind the idea that God would choose us is just to make us worship. Just to say, I don't get it all, but the fact that you would choose me, I'm in awe, I'm humbled, I'm going to worship. And so when we take communion, that's what I want us to do, is to think about the fact that Jesus chose you. He could have chose anyone, but he actually picked you out just as he did these disciples and said, hey, I want to be your friend. Press into the friendship with Jesus as we worship in this time so that we can become the type of friends that will stop all aloneness in our church. We're going to have the uh, prayer team uh, that you guys can stand up. I think we have um, Shelby and Alyssa and Greg. They're walking to the back right now in the back corners here. This is something new that we're doing during communion or really during this whole last worship set. If you would like to be prayed for, would love it if you would just walk up to one of them and ask for prayer. Another thing that Scripture tells us to do before we come and take communion is to consider our relationships with others. So maybe there's someone here in the room that you would need to confess something to, like we just spoke about with confession and repentance. Or maybe there's even someone here who's been a good friend, and you can use this time just to go encourage them and tell them how meaningful their friendship has been uh, to you in your aloneness. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for friends. Thanks that you have made a way to help us in our aloneness by providing people who can love us the way that you love us. We ask that that would bear fruit in this church more and more. We thank you that it already is in so many ways, but we ask for even more of it. Ask too, Lord, for anyone who's here who recognizes that they've not maybe initiated enough to get uh, connected with a friend, to get involved in a midtown community, to get to share life with someone in this church, a group of this church. Uh, speak to them, God, now and lead them uh, into those relationships. Finally, God, thanks that you've chosen us. We are very humbled and in awe of that, that you would call us your friends. And as we dwell on that in this time of worship, we ask that you'd move our hearts, that we would know your love. In Jesus' name, amen.